I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering online master's degrees in elementary education, higher education, and early childhood education. Your master's degree can be earned online in as little as one to two years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, assessing voter turnout in the most recent presidential election, then cooking safely over the Thanksgiving holiday. You never put a wet and particularly a frozen turkey in the hot oil. You can actually cause an eruption of burning oil, and it can be fatal. I mean, you get the really nasty third-degree burns, awful scalds, and a lot of structure fires, home fires. Later, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on small beginnings and big dreams. And do healthy eating and the holidays go together? We'll find out. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. About 64% of Mississippi's registered voters cast ballots in this year's presidential election, according to the Secretary of State's office. The total number of ballots cast was 1.2 million, down slightly from the 2012 presidential election. MPB's Desiree Frazier spoke with Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman, who said he was pleased with this year's voter turnout. It was good. We, we had a good turnout. I, I, you know, it'd be great if we had 70% of the people show up, but... Getting 1.2 million people out, was, well, I think, was good. There was some predetermination that Mississippi would go for uh, President-elect Trump, and sometimes that, when it's not a close race, it's uh, like the Romney one was closer. I thought overall it was good, and, and I also would say, historically, it's just a phenomenal thing for Mississippians to realize that we had no federal monitors probably for the first time since 1965. And we don't keep up with that. We can't remember where we didn't have them. And you have voter ID with 99.96% of the people who show up with an ID. And it all worked. I mean, we had a few machine problems here or there. Um, but really, it worked. And the election process was as smooth as it's ever been. A milestone, would you say? I think it is. I, I refer to it as turning a page in history, uh, and we're not going back. Do you know how many people showed up for 2012? Yes, about a million two eighty-five. 
So it was about, I'd say about 70,000 more the, year, the last presidential election. You talked about uh, the voter ID and so many people using their IDs, but there were some that didn't. What happens in those cases? They, they can come back within five days under Mississippi law and cast it, and we had some do that. So we had 560 uh, voter ID affidavits at the polls. So I will tell you, a number of those came back and cast a ballot in the clerk's office, but we just don't have that number yet. MPB's Desiree Fraser with Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman on voter turnout in the state in the recent presidential election. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Hey, y'all, I'm Felder Rushing. Ain't it a great day? Now, my truck stands out around town. A garden in the back will do that. You can make your car truck stand out with the new MPB Car Tag. MPB Car Tag. It's a great way to show your support for MPB. Visit mpbonline.org and sign up for yours today. Woohoo! This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Many Mississippians already have their Thanksgiving meals planned, but many aren't making plans to avoid injury. We spoke with Jim Pollard of American Medical Response about the importance of food and cooking safety this time of year. He says staying safe is often a matter of caution and preparation, especially when it comes to frying the Thanksgiving bird. Key pieces of advice for turkey frying safety. Don't tip it over. Ooh. Don't overfill it. Make sure that you don't. You never put a wet and particularly a frozen turkey in the hot oil because of the spattering. Exactly. You, you you can actually cause an eruption of burning oil, and it can be fatal. No uh, kidding. Yeah, it can be fatal. I mean, you get the really nasty third degree burns, awful scalds. Uh, and a lot of uh, structure fires, home fires, uh, are also uh, can be caused by by hot oil. Yeah, yeah. Well, you see, the hot oil catches on fire. All right, particularly if there's water involved, it's going to erupt. Uh, it's going to what's called a flashover or spillover, and then, heaven forbid, that the fire gets to the hose of the propane tank. Then you're talking about a major explosion potentially. Um, I'm afraid not enough folks take these risks seriously, in in my humble opinion. To my knowledge, we've not had in the immediate metro area, at any rate, a catastrophic turkey fryer incident uh, in recent years. But they do happen. Um, I had a friend on the coast, for example, who just about burned his carport down. and uh, By putting in a frozen turkey? Yeah, or- yeah. There are really concrete instructions that everybody should follow uh, when you're using a turkey fryer. I mean, think about it. Common sense. Hot oil, hot metal, in many instances, propane gas. And then if you mix in alcohol, then, you know, the risk substantially increases. First of all, to make sure you don't tip the darn thing over. Make certain that it's on a flat, level surface, uh, a hard surface, but not wood, nothing that's flammable. Mm -hmm. 
uh, away from anything that's flammable, including overhanging eaves, bushes, even leaves. Make sure that the surface is uh, non-flammable itself, uh, such as concrete, and to avoid the issue of having the oil splash over on you. Uh, and catch on fire. Really concrete instructions on making sure that you don't overfill the pot. Um, Draw a circle that's at least 10 feet in diameter around that fryer and make sure that you declare it a kid-free zone. No children in here whatsoever or pets. All right. So don't tip it over. Don't overfill it. Don't put a wet or frozen turkey inside that oil. Seriously, you can go online and you can find shocking uh, video of what happens when you put a turkey that hasn't been thoroughly dried or frozen into the hot oil. I'm not kidding. It's like Mount Vesuvius. Children poisoning is highest this time of year. Why is that? Uh, because the grandparents are going to have more med- medications uh, in their household, and they're more likely to have them out. I mean, th- think about it. You know, my folks had a lot of their meds uh, not in a locked cabinet. Right, sitting uh, on, but in the living room on a table. Exactly, or even on the dining table or mm-hmm. up on the windowsill. And uh, children are, little ones are more likely to think of it as, as candy or they're going to mimic. Uh, so it has nothing to do with the food. It has nothing to do with Thanksgiving food. It's no, medicine. Well, no, I'm sure there are more instances of uh, of, of gastrointestinal uh, illness resulting from uh, not keeping cold food, foods cold and, and hot foods hot. Uh, but uh, we're talking more in terms of, of children uh, taking the grandparents' medication uh, or uh, of um, eating uh, something that is not <laughs> intended for the tummy. Uh, various uh, house plants uh, are, are poisonous, and then, or going under the sink. If they're at grandma's house, exactly. they're going to be curious and looking around. Exactly, exactly. And and uh, when you have a ton of uh, uh, various um, uh, tiny little batteries, like for for oh those little tiny ones, yeah, for hearing aids, for mm-hmm. example, or watches and so on, uh, then uh, you know that's another real hazard. And don't don't forget now, I'm 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 an animal advocate, and don't forget that that you're. Dogs are also vulnerable uh, from uh, increased risk of poisoning during the holidays simply because of, of the presence of, of other plants. And uh, you just got to watch out for them as well. And never feed your dog chocolate and mm. absolutely never feed the dog raisins or grapes. Those are yeah. highly poisonous. Deadly, deadly yeah. to dogs. Jim Pollard is a spokesman for AMR. Jim, thank you so much. My delight. Thank you, and wonderful holidays to you and everyone. Up next, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on small beginnings and big dreams. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join me each Tuesday for Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Each week we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental obstacles to family interaction, from depression to handling life's disruptions, discovering things that make you happy, or how to get around things keeping you from your happiness. I want to hear what's going on in your life. Relatively Speaking, part of the Daily Southern Remedy series, this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. Teresa Hickman always knew she wanted to be a scientist, specifically 
chemist. Even when she was growing up in Louisville, picking cotton to help her family earn a living, her mind was on the future. Teresa Hickman shares her story with her son, Frederick, in this stop on the StoryCorps mobile tour in Mississippi. I grew up in Louisville, Mississippi. I had mom and dad both there. My father was a very strong individual. He had a third grade education, but he was the smartest psychiatrist I've ever met. (laughs) Yes, and I've met some good ones. My mother was a devout Christian, and she was calm and quiet. And um, their technique for raising us was so, it was almost uh, merged together. It was almost as if they read each other's mind. Uh, The one thing they always did was agree on whatever the story was when they were in front of us. Now, what they did Otherwise, I have no idea. But they were always totally together, and that's what made raising us so solid because we knew that they both agreed. Daddy was so strong, and I didn't worry about being afraid. Now, yes, we had crosses burned in our yards, and we had our mailboxes blown up, but I still weren't afraid because he was there. And that led into my adulthood, so I didn't have a lot of fear or anxieties to deal with. Can you tell me about your brothers and sisters? There are seven children, three boys and four girls. I am the next to the baby, what we call knee baby. (laughs) I have one brother below me. And so I kind of grew up with the guys, but my sisters were 16 and 11 years older than me. So I mostly responded to what the boys taught me. They were very, well, now, let me take that back. They weren't very cooperative. (laughs) Daddy made sure that they were cooperative. And they like to say that Daddy was so crazy about me because he hadn't had a girl in six years. But I got to tell them, Daddy knew they were heathens. He was trying to keep me alive. But he was very strict about how they treated me. So it made my life easy. Can you tell us about um, the work that your father did? First, we were farmers. We had an 80-acre farm, and we lost it to soil erosion. And we worked very, very hard and picked cotton and did whatever we needed to do to try and keep it. But because of soil erosion, if you don't make the cotton, you can't pay the note. After that, he started to work for George Pacific. He worked for George Pacific probably six or seven years before he got... George Pacific, that's a... It's a paper company. Okay. Probably six or seven years before he got stomach cancer, terminal, which was what he died from. So your father's passed and your rock, if you will, has passed. Then what happens? Well, I was fine because Daddy always prayed that we would be fully grown before he passed away. Mm-hmm. The baby was 19 when he died, so I was well on my way. I was actually in college. My mother, you know, was present, but mother was very, very spoiled, which I thought was wonderful by Daddy. So when he passed, we continued to spoil her. Coming from the cotton field, when was the last time you picked cotton? We had a rule in the household that you pick cotton up until your 11th grade year because they really wanted you to graduate. So I would say the last time I picked, I was 16 because I graduated from high school at 17. So 16 years old, you're picking cotton. The years later, you were responsible for helping the Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics or Mississippi, Mississippi Law Enforcement. Crime Laboratory. Crime Laboratory, putting the criminals away. Can you talk about that journey? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I knew at 14 I wanted to be a, a chemist. I just didn't know what kind. I wanted to be a scientist of some kind, and plus all of my scores on ACTs and everything was the highest in science and math. So when I finished the bachelor's, I did that in Chicago, Illinois. And at that time, they had a freeze high on it. It was like an introduction to forensics because they told me I could go on the street as a cop and become a forensic scientist in 18 months. And I told them if they could find a partner I could stand behind for 18 months, I'd take the job. <laughs> but then we moved back to Mississippi, 
and there just wasn't any job. So I ended up back in college because of the money. When I graduated, the head of the lab graduated from Jackson State also, and he wanted someone from Jackson State to work with him. So I got the job, and it required me to do chemical analysis, which was, I'm a chemist in my heart, and uh, the testifying in court was not a problem. We were well-trained, and it doesn't matter what you do in life. If you're open-minded and trained, you'll be fine. You're on a farm growing up. There is no CSI. There is no television, or if there is a television, there's very little television about police work. How do you get the idea of becoming a chemist on a farm? I read a lot always did. That was my escape. I mean, and so the one thing that the United States respected was chemists. Whenever the people went into outer space away from <laughs> all the destruction, there was always a chemist on board. So I decided that if the earth were ever destroyed, if I were a really good chemist, I might be on board. To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps mobile tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps Mobile Tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. What makes a great high school marching band? We learn from the new national champions, the Golden Eagles of Trumbull, Connecticut. Will they march in Donald Trump's inaugural parade? That's next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. The election is over, and the nation has a new president, Donald Trump, and a new chapter in history has begun. We don't know what lies ahead, but NPR will keep bringing you the best coverage from coast to coast to help you make sense of it all. So listen every day. MPB Radio's local programs are available now as podcasts. Sure, you love your MPB mobile app. It streams your favorite program anytime you like. But when streaming's not the thing, say, in flight or driving on the Natchez Trace, download your favorite podcast and you've got it in your pocket. Available on iTunes or on any podcast app. Grab your local MPB podcast now. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Most Mississippians put calorie counting on hold during the holidays, but in a state where diabetes and obesity are concerns, it helps to remember there are ways to get in the holiday spirit without wrecking a commitment to healthy eating. We spoke with Rebecca Turner, registered dietitian and nutrition expert. She says eating healthy this Thanksgiving can be a simple matter. Oftentimes, it doesn't even require you having to change the menu at all. You just need to switch a few of the ingredients. So the very first one I would recommend is looking at all the places that mayonnaise takes stage. Usually, this is in your pasta or fruit or uh, potato-type salads where we have a really creamy mixture. Or even when we use our leftovers, mayonnaise salads, uh, mayonnaise sandwich, using it for sandwiches and such. If you just make that one switch from mayonnaise to plain Greek yogurt, you're going to save about 100 calories and 10 grams of fat per tablespoon. Now, you think that might not be a whole lot, but if the recipe calls for half a cup of mayonnaise, that equals to 800 calories 
and 80 grams of fat that just magically disappear. So that's a huge opportunity with one small switch. What does the the Greek yogurt, is there a huge difference in taste between the yogurt and the mayonnaise? I'm glad you asked. Absolutely not. So the beauty with plain, and I emphasize plain because you definitely don't want to get a flavored Greek yogurt. You really do want to reach for the plain. It's white in in look, so it looks the same. It's creamy in texture, so it's going to still provide that moisture. Um, And it has a little bit of a tang to still give you that kind of bite that you're looking for with mayonnaise, just with none of the fat or the calories. I think it's like 10 calories per tablespoon compared to 100 with mayonnaise. So that's one simple step. Is there any way to make dressing or stuffing, depending on how you refer to it? Um, I know that it's loaded with, with calories and fat and carbs and all that stuff. Is there a way to make it a little more healthy? Well... That is sort of like a trick question. Now, traditional recipes, one easy step would be to use lower sodium options and you will be uh, when it comes to your broth or any canned products. But really, your traditional stuffing or dressing recipes are kind of par for the course in terms of just <laughs> hard to make healthy. But you can go a completely different direction this year and try maybe a um, cauliflower stuffing recipe, which is where it's using, you know, cauliflower pearls, where they saute them up and onions and the different uh, seasonings. Now, it's not going to be the exact same, but you could definitely do half and half or offer both. Um, or just think about maybe making a much smaller pan this year so you have a lot left over. So... So it sounds like the key is to just eat a lot less of it than you might well, that, That's one of the ones that is kind of hard to make uh, to make a switch. But I will say a lot of your Thanksgiving uh, recipes call for canned products. You're talking about beans, broth, tomatoes. Uh, these are the, the some of the staples within um, the grocery list for your Thanksgiving meal. People don't think that switching to the lower sodium makes a big difference. But in reality, if you switch to lower sodium beans or broth or uh, tomato, like the diced tomatoes or the canned tomato sauce or soups, it can lower the salt overall by 50%. That is huge when you're working with family members who are trying to manage their their blood pressure, and it will help you not feel as bloated the day after you have your Thanksgiving meal. If well, you know how popular fried turkey has become. Is there a big difference when you between baking your turkey and frying your turkey in regard to fat and uh, and calories? Yes. Anytime that you submerge uh, a piece of meat into um, you know grease at that high temperature, it's just getting soaked through and through. Where the beauty of baking a turkey or roasting the turkey, when you remove the skin, you really do remove most of the fat and calories that are added with the seasoning that help keep it moist. But when you deep fry a turkey, you kind of lose that sort of cheat opportunity. You can still remember remove the outside, even with traditional uh, fried chicken, you could do the same. But you're still having it, it's almost like a sponge. It's just soaked up all of that unhealthy um, fat and oil you know, through and through. And it's, it's hard inter- to get rid of it. It's interesting you say that because one of the selling points of a fryer is the that the the fat does not go through the skin because it's it's frying at such a high temperature that the inside repels the oil. Well, I wouldn't say that that's a false out lie as I'm not a master in the technique, but I would roll my eyes at that advertisement for sure. I, I feel like anytime you submerge the meat within uh, the oil for any length of time, it's going to carry more fat and calories than just traditional uh, baking would. 
One of the traditional Southern dishes is the uh, sweet potato casserole with the nuts and the marshmallows and the brown sugar and all that on top. Now, if you just take a plain sweet potato and you bake it, are there many calories in that? Uh, No, not in your traditional sweet potato, uh, just baking it. But let me just sort of blow your mind with what's in a traditional sweet potato casserole. One cup gives you 650 calories (laughs) and 60 grams of sugar in one cup. Like, my, I mean, it just makes me so sad to even bear the news uh, of that. But it's an eye-opener. So if you do have the traditional, do mind your portion especially for us Mississippians who are trying to manage our diabetes. Um, But a much healthier option, as you mentioned, just roasting or baking uh, regular sweet potatoes or steaming them and then using a little brown sugar, but with a little bit of cinnamon and nutmeg and maybe a little bit of butter just to give it, you know, a good flavor. And you're going to reduce so many of those calories. One sweet potato brings about 100 to 120 calories and definitely a lot less sugar than 60 grams per cup. Rebecca Turner is a registered dietitian and nutritionist and author of Mind Over Fork. Thank you so much, Rebecca. My pleasure and happy Thanksgiving. You too. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Money Talks in Legal Terms and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from University of Mississippi School of Education, offering online master's degrees in elementary education, higher education, and early childhood education. Your master's degree can be earned online in as little as one to two years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. It's market.